Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. By Riverside. Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am actually joined this time by my co-host, Dan Galati, as well as our producer, Phoebe. Dan, welcome back. We we missed you. Yeah, I wasn't actually going to come on tonight. Everybody knows I'm on quasi-vacation, but one, I care about the people. I care about the podcast, um, and I've been getting a lot of complaints that you needed to be humbled, so I'm here to disagree with you, make sure that you know we don't get too too high. You've been taking a lot of shots at people on Twitter. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, that you know, one, the people knew I still existed, Two, we don't have unlimited vacation days here on the backside ground balls. I'll have to talk to management about that. A little more PTO would be nice. I'm running low on them already, and we're only in May, so that's a little bit tough. But And then three, they were, there's just rumors. There's rumors out there. I'm not saying who said it. I'm not saying it's me that you needed to be humbled. So I'm here to I'm, – I'm just here to do my job. Excited for this pod. Well – it, Dan's telling a completely different story than what's actually happening. Dan's feeling the pressure of a hot seat because we had an awesome guest on last time and, and our guest and I built a great relationship. And he said, if I ever needed a, a, somebody to fill in on the episode that to give him a call and he would join in on any time. So Dan's feeling the pressure that I'm just going to go the boot to Dan Galati and we're going to go Trevor and Peter Flaherty three times a week. This is This is my point right here. Phoebe, agree with me on this. Trevor needs to be humbled. He's over here. The chemistry was great with the guest. It couldn't be that the guest was just a polite guy, really nice guy, good at his job, really good at being a guest, likable, so that people then go check him out. No, it's because him and Trevor are so great together. I don't know. I'm. We'll let the people decide. Again, this isn't me saying it. I'm just there's there's chatter in the streets right now. 
there's, you know, some words have been, you know, I look, okay, let's set the record straight. I'm here to do a job. I'm going to do my job. Um, I'm happy to be back. I am excited back. It's good to see you too. You know, uh, Sunday yeah. feels like a long time ago. It is. It is. And, and speaking of power trips, let's get right into it. MLB Dictator Part 4. We're going to kick it off with MLB Dictator Part 4. And today is going to be a rule change. So, Dan, you have full autonomy to change anything across the league in terms of rules. We had a bunch of rule changes this year. Take your shot. What are you changing? I'm doing two um, just because I can, I guess, and I want to. Uh, The first one is kind of, I think, just a universal thing, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the game of baseball. Um, I'm removing blackouts. There are no more blackouts. There's no more, oh, you're blacked out from this market. Sorry, you can't watch this team play. No, I'm going to push the product. There's two. I said there's two. Will you just be patient? Goodness. That's the first one, and it is a cop-out because everyone agrees with me, but it needs to be said. The fact that there are regional blackouts is the dumbest thing. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I can't watch the Orioles and the Nationals. Let's not act like I'm close enough to be blacked out. It's not like I can drive to the game. It's a a four-and-a-half-hour drive, but I can't watch the Orioles. The Orioles are one of the most exciting teams in baseball. I only know that from word of mouth because I can't watch them. It's stupid. So I'm getting rid of uh, blackouts. And then my second rule, no more uh, replay review unless it's a scoring play. Look, I'm so sick and tired. This is where my baseball purist is going to come out a little bit. My old timer, uh, the good old days. I don't – like when a guy steals a base, and we've had this conversation, I'm I'm process-oriented. That's who I am by nature, especially when it comes to the game of baseball. When a guy steals a base, if he beats the throw – and the tag doesn't get down before he hits the base. The guy is safe. If his cleat comes off the bag by a centimeter of an inch and the guy held the tag, he shouldn't be out. He stole the bag. He's safe. Guy's stretching a single into a double. He beats the throw. He's on the bag. But then his hand slide. His pinky comes off for a half a second right before he puts it back down. And now he's out. It's stupid. Okay. If it's a scoring play, yeah, I get it. If it's a play at the plate, I get it. If it's a fair or foul home run, yeah, let's review this. Let's get it right because this affects the game. A bang bang play at first base. Look, 90% of the time you watch these replay reviews and the ump gets it right anyway. They're right. So why do I need to, like, in the fourth, hey, we're all about speeding the game up. We got pitch clock rules. We're moving rosin bags. If anybody watched the Phillies game yesterday, we're moving rosin bags. So they're not distracting. Uh, Josh Rojas and Craig Kimbrell couldn't get their at-bat done because the umps had to have three meetings about what the rules were. We're trying to speed the game up. I don't need a ground ball in the hole to shortstop in the fourth inning where it's a bang-bang play, and really the guy actually got his foot down a split second maybe by the camera when we slow it down by you know like 10,000 frames per second. He was safe, but the guy banged him, so we're going to reverse it. Like, I don't need that. If there's a scoring play, review it. If it's not a scoring play, just let it go. Let it go. And I don't like robots. That's why I don't want robot umpires either. We just had this conversation before we recorded. I'm not in on robots, so miss me with the robot strike zone too. I don't care. Oh, that wasn't a strike hitter. You're going to be in your feelings, and you're going to a slump because this ump banged a call on you. You get 700 at-bats a year. Cry me a river. 
We're going to, I think we might have to do a rule change part two, too, because there's definitely some more rules that I would want to change. I'm going to push back on yours just because not, I agree completely with like the foot coming off the bat. It's like that little, that kid that did his celebration on the high school kid and then his foot came off and the umpire went ump show, like banging. I'm not even sure, by the way. That video made me so mad. And then the coaches, absolutely. Like he saw it from the freaking stands. The coach is yelling into the other dugout, absolutely, because he's mad his son just gave up a nuke to the left center gap. So I'm I'm off on those. Like I think, again, process-oriented stuff like that. I think what would make it better is a timer. If you get the headsets on – one, somebody should be in New York with your answer already. Two, if it if you can't figure it out in 45 seconds, call stance. Just come out of it. Like 45-second timer, ding, 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 call stance. That's it. I get you, and I understand that. But then the first time it goes 44 seconds and the call stands, and then you know Dave Roberts is out of the dugout for 35 minutes – then they reverse it somehow because they had an ump show meeting and they, you know, Adrian Johnson thinks, oh, no, but maybe we only did 40, but I think, I don't know. And now I'm back and forth. And then Dan Iasonia says, yeah, we're going to reverse it. And now here comes Bob Melvin. It's just all hypotheticals. Minute argument. Like- uh, that's what happens though, because it's the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> the pitch clock has been great, but what's happening with the pitch clock? It's just ump show central now. Like it happens all the time. Like, Again, the situation yesterday, I don't even know really what happened. Between, I still don't know. I was watching it, and there was a situation in the 10th inning of the Phillies-Diamondbacks game with uh, with Josh Rojas and, and Craig Kimbrell. It is Josh Rojas, right? I'm not, I'm not butchering his name. Okay. Yeah. So it, in the 10th inning, and I don't even, I'm still not sure what happened. All of a sudden, there was a ball. Like, the ump called time, but he didn't because I guess – and then Rojas was mad and Tori Lovello was arguing. And then the umps came together and there was a four-minute meeting. They went back. Craig King will come set and they go, timer violation. I, like, this is what happens, though. We implement these rules. And if you were to implement a 45-second clock on replay review, they would botch it. every. Like, I'm t- I just don't trust them enough. And I guess that's why I, don't somebody- I trust them enough to make the call live. I don't trust them to then, like, too many rules. Too many rules. So you trust them. You don't trust umpires, but you don't want robot umpires, but you don't want replay to oversee our umpires. Yeah, everybody like, following like, along with that line of thought. You got yeah. it. Everybody else got it. You're yeah. following along with okay. my line of thought. Just, everybody else is just on the same page. Sure. Just making sure I just don't I like too many correct. rules. I think that's the thing. I, I don't like too many yeah. rules. That's, that's my so, issue. So – my rule change, and I'm also going to take two here, um, and we're, they're going to kind of go together a little bit. Actually, they wouldn't go together in this scenario. Um, but my first one's going to be seven inning doubleheaders. Um, just if we need to play a doubleheader, they should be seven innings. I'm not you one of those people that jail. thinks that's – because I think seven seven innings is enough when guys have to play 14 in a day. Instead of 18 no, in a right. day. Sorry no, to right. break Sorry. it to Keep you. Keep going. Keep going. You're right. You're right. So my next one is to shorten the season to 148 games because 162 games is a lot. Divisions are sometimes decided, but we're expanding the playoffs. So why do we need so many games anyway? Everybody gets in. They showed the playoff picture. You know, the Padres are in the playoffs this year. I'm pretty sure they're like two games out, like because everybody gets into the playoffs nowadays. Um 
So it's just like it's actually an obsolete concept to play 162. Just cut it off at 148. There's no reason we should have Latino players playing in Chicago and Cleveland in November. Like it bothers me that because I wouldn't want to play in Cleveland in November and I didn't grow up in a warm weather country. <laughs> Hold on. I don't so think that bothers to do with me. Latino players. I just don't think no, the game I of think baseball in general should be played in November. Oh, 100%. But like to to Across completely play a whole season for to play a whole season in like warm weather through the summer and, and then, then the to most switch important it to like 30 games 30 degree are in 30 degrees. Yeah. That's what's bad. So, I'm with you 100% on the 148. And I think 140 like you could do 142. Who's going to miss those 14 games? Like when you sit there TV and seriously companies. think about it, Correct, the money that comes in for TV companies and the teams. But outside of that, like, there's no fans that are going to be – There's no. I can guarantee you there isn't a player on the roster who if they changed it to 148 would be like, man, I really am going to miss those 14 games. Especially when I know most of the teams get into – like you, you make a good point there that like a lot of teams get in anyway. But like imagine being on the A's this year. You think anybody on the A's roster would be mad at you if, if tomorrow morning you were the, the dictator of the MLB and you're like, look, we're not going to play all these? They'd kiss you. Like the A's players, you'd be there. You, they'd love you so much because it's like, great. Now we're going to go 30 and, and, and 112 instead of 30 and 130, you know, whatever the math is there. 132. Yeah. Um, like, and so I, I think that makes sense. And and sorry, you should only be in jail because before we started recording, you should say, you said there should be more doubleheaders. I would, I try and avoid doubleheaders. I'm with you. If there's a rain out and we have to play a doubleheader, make it 14 innings. These guys don't need to be out here enough. As someone who went through however many years I was involved with Division II college baseball and doubleheaders are the way of the world, it makes me want to vomit anytime someone says the word doubleheader to me. I mean, it's brutal. But like, look, it, I love baseball just as much as the next guy. It's too long of a day. It's too long of a day. I agree, but this is where my pushback would be. I wouldn't have them playing doubleheaders every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday like the CAC has you do. <laughs> I would have one doubleheader for every team a month. You play a four-game series or a three-game series, and it turns into a four, and you play a double on, on a Saturday, right? Like, that's it. Like, one a month, that's it. And then, like – because and this is my whole reason for it, too, which I didn't say off-air. Don't take away off days. Right. So if we're adding – if we're shrinking the season – Keep the off days. So, like, let's just say you have a four-game series that you have to get in. Give them off on Thursday or Monday and just play a double Saturday anyway because they're going to be at the park all day no matter what. So just extend that one day, extend the rosters, and don't take away off days from guys. But if you shorten the season, why would you be taking away off days? You would theoretically have more off days. Well, if you you would just shorten it calendar wise, so like let's just say we took fourteen games off calendar wise, and the schedule still looked the same. You know what I'm saying? Like in this just hypothetical, or if we went to one, like let's say we stayed at one sixty two and added double headers. I just I yeah, my biggest cutting, thing is instead of playing seven days, game, games, yeah, in instead of yeah. S- staying with seven game weeks in seven days. It can be a seven game week in six days with still one off day in there. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, double on a Saturday, play on Sunday, off Monday, right? 
You would get to I, 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 I that's an interesting concept. My pushback on on that whole idea there too is just the state of pitching right now. If you're now asking relievers to, you know what I mean? Now you're shortening it. Now you're going to get more guys who probably aren't ready in the big leagues getting called up for that one day to start or pitch, or we're going to have more bullpen games. I would just, the only concern with that, and theoretically, if you're cutting 14 games, maybe it works out anyway that that helps with them because you're cutting volume on their arms there by cutting those 14 games out. Um, And that's what, three, that's three turns through the rotation for everybody, almost three full turns. So maybe it wouldn't be as big of an issue as, as I'm thinking it is. But the thing that worries me always with doublehead, whenever you see 26, like how often is the 26 man added on a doubleheader day, not a pitcher, you know, and, and if we're doing one a month, how, what is the effect on pitching? Cause right now, like until I see something change, like there's, a, I have a real concern about, I don't know if it's pitch clock or what, but the pitching injuries, like I know it's increasingly gotten worse over the last, you know, two decades, but it's in a really bad spot right now. The pitching depth and the pitching injuries in ma- across Major League Baseball as a whole, and I know that's a, a different subject, but I don't know. Like that's I'm I'm concerned about it right now. I have and this is this was actually one of the things I had thought about when I said we should probably do a rule change part two and maybe we'll revisit this and this will be my rule change part two. Starting pitchers are a, don't have to be on your active roster. So you can have, like, let's say Clayton Kershaw starts on Monday. He's not on your active roster Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, active Friday. They're starts only at, on like, the, however you mean you they're only do. on the active yes, roster? Yes, like you can change your active roster only pitcher-wise. Hitters, you have to move parts with that. Right. But to Same extend thing. bullpens and take pressure off guys of having to throw as many back-to-backs, increase roster sizes, you go this starting is, pitchers, you can fill in to your roster spots. I don't hate that, and I think you're onto something there. I have two just immediate concerns when you say that. One, what does that do to the quality? Do you think that would affect quality too much? I mean, I think it would extend – like we talked about in the last episode how the the margins are thinner and AAA baseball is right. probably the best it's ever been. It really just brings up those guys in, from AAA guys that we sooner. think at least have stuff and things like that that can compete at the high level and be able to give them big league jobs, yeah. And then my second – my second cons- – I don't know if it's a concern. I'm not smart enough to understand this. Is the, Would they have to change the CBA and contract structure? As far as service time and everything like that, because you know, I as soon as you get so. called I, out, your clock starts. So you know what I'm saying. I think you get what I'm saying. I just meant. It, I think I would treat it like NHL does, right? Or or any of these sports, healthy scratches, right? Your starting pitcher, if they're not playing, they're just technically a yeah. Healthy no, I'm not scratch. talking about they're the starter. I'm talking about the guys. The guys, you're, yeah, but you have to fill. Yeah, they're active. What you're essentially saying spots. is more. Yeah, so they would be. So now, now you're. So your service, your, you see what I'm saying? Like your clock now, which is, I guess, beneficial for the player because their clocks are all starting sooner. Yeah. They're going to hit free agency sooner, right? Because if because what you're saying is is that starting pitcher isn't active, so you always can be at 26, right? Is what it you're wouldn't saying. change when – yeah, it wouldn't change when they hit free agency for each guy. It would just change the amount of guys that are hitting free agency on every year because across the league, active players would be bigger. Yeah, I get right. I, exactly. Yeah. I, that's what I was trying to say. It's like now you're getting yeah. more guys whose clocks are starting. Whereas, like you know, for example, let's just let's just use a guy for 
let's say, you know, if, if Bryce Miller hadn't been called up because the Mariners wanted to manipulate his clock, now you would have more incentive to call him up now if you needed it to fill the depth. That's what yeah. we're saying. So now yeah. he does hit free agency sooner than potentially he would. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of a guy that's in AAA yeah. that's being held back right now, and I can't think of anyone. But <clears throat> So I use him as an example. But So now you're saying that, you know, the day that, again, we'll use Kershaw. Kershaw throws on Monday. He's He counts towards the 26th yeah. on Monday, but on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, he doesn't. Yep. You're on to something. The teams would hate that. Yeah. That's who. That's who hates that. Is the owners kind of? Like, but you'd figure it out. The owners would. But like, I think like structurally, it, like it's, and that's what I was gonna say because you were saying like, oh, like I don't think anybody would push back on any fans would push back on shortening the season. Yes, everybody would push back because baseball fans hate change more than anybody, and oh, it's funny true. how that's quickly we forget about the, the all of these happen. rule changes. And like, have you people heard- just complain? all off season and then turn around and by game 15 they're crickets because the quality's better remember when people well, were pissed about mound visit limitations like yo that's what i was just about to say when was the last time three you heard about batter that? three batter minimum yeah no no one even cares anymore no one even talks that was about a whole big oh, deal. how about dh in either league you ever have you heard anyone complain about the DH in either that league? Because me. we were all so sad that we weren't going to be able to watch NL pitchers stand there and take three strikes. Oh, your managers! There's no strategy left in baseball anymore. What are you talking exactly. about? Could, <laughs> can you believe that there were actually people that did not want no. to have no. pitchers not the hitting, DH? like that wanted to watch no. pitchers hitting because it it's pure. Like if you, if we have anybody <laughs> listening to this who believed in that at that day, I turn off you our to podcast. Look in the mirror, I just want them to look in the mirror and be disappointed in yourself that you wanted Kyle Hendricks to to lay down a sack bunt twice a game. That's what you were fired up about. Like that was great. Yeah, that was so awesome to watch. Instead of having so guys many... like, yeah, yeah, we uh, wouldn't have had Bryce Harper last year. Wouldn't have been able to year. watch the guy play. Or this year. You imagine that? that yeah, because because instead we all want to see Aaron Nola walk up there. And, and, and again, like how many guys were you seeing just go up there and they wouldn't even move the bat off their shoulder? It was like this, is, this, isn't even, this doesn't even make sense. I think the worst part of this, this is the fact that it's not – like we're talking about this and you would think like if you were an alien who just dropped on the face of the earth and tuned into the backside ground balls live on YouTube and you were just like, <laughs> okay, like like what are they talking about? You would think it happened in like 1903. Like, oh, yeah, they made yeah. that rule change. No, it, like it happened in 2020. Ago. It was 2020. <laughs> it's like this well, literally – like they – yes, they let pitchers hit until 2020. And do, when was the last time – like seriously, this. How about this one? Have you heard anyone complain about the runner on second and extras this year? Haven't heard a soul complain. Yeah, about I haven't seen anything on people. Twitter. I don't do hear, hear people. It? Yeah, I haven't seen anything on social media, but I still know that people complain about it. And, and I hope you're about that. I'm sure people. Hold on, because I'm sure people who are listening to this can't tell which side I fall on that one. After I just talked about how being at the field for a double header was miserable. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, get those guys uh, yeah. out of here. You think those guys, those guys play 162 games. You think they need to be playing 17 inning games in May? It's like, it's Gosh. the same thing as <laughs> a, a shootout in hockey. Like, 
Is a shootout the purest form of hockey? No. But they've already played 60 minutes of that, and it's a regular season game, and you play 82 of them, right? We play 162 regular season games, and if you don't have, if you can't get a final score figured out in nine, just stick a guy on second and let's get out of here. There is nothing fun about an 18 inning game. Like people are like free baseball. No, it's boring. Like well, it, I playoffs, don't need to know. I don't need to see that. Right in the playoffs, in the playoffs it's fine. It's in the great. playoffs, it's that, fine. G- that Giants, that Giants national Nationals game in the DS. Yes. And what year was that? Tanner Rainey coming out of the bullpen. That was an Brandon Bell. Yep, Brandon Bell and Yasmero Petit went like six and a third. That's great because that's high drama. Because in, in in the playoffs, every pitch matters. And when you get to play a team where it's a sudden death ending like that for the home team, it's fantastic. Just like hockey. Three on three, followed by a shootout, and then you get into playoffs and you just play five on five. Yeah, I mean, really, if you want, if you want to, if you want to really get weird, Trevor, soccer has it right. What regular season tie? <laughs> it's the regular season. Like if it's tied after nine, <laughs> go home, guys. Like it's cool. If it's tied after it's twelve. Cool. With runners sure. on second, I'll give I'll it compromise. to you. I'll compromise. I'll compromise. Yeah. I'll compromise with that. Agreed. Yeah. Why not? I think shootout losses is the best way to do it, which I'll tell you, I, well, that's hockey a has system, it going so with, it's the, like with the, the points. Um, no, not with the points, with the, uh, with the service time too. That's a whole different dive into a conversation. Your with clock the starts when you get in the AHL. That's oh, what MLB I should see, I, be doing. I don't know enough yes. about hockey to know that. That's genius. Yeah, so you can become yeah, so your clock to free agency starts when you get into the AHL. So when they select you your screw- contract. Right. You so now so guys like Adley Rutschman should just be in your big well, league team. My my point to that would be we would have to put it at a certain level. Yes, because I, you would, I would you say would screw a ton of high school kids, right? Because you wouldn't take like because mm-hmm. rookie ball, like you would just kill it, right? So, but double A, that would be great. Once you reach double A, like service clock starts. Are we are we hanging with this conversation? Because I can give you my my because I I did enough research. I'm on loving it to, this in the past. It was like a couple years back. Okay, so go ahead. Here was my whole hypothetical scenario that we'd break down. So you can be drafted at 18 years old anytime. Still, if you go to college, you have to wait, same thing, three years or be draft eligible at 21, right? But you can be selected as an 18-year-old and still go to college under your professional organization. Without a doubt. That's exactly what they they can. So you can play your freshman year and let's just say, I mean, who's a – Ethan Petrie, right, with South Carolina – goes off, they think he's closer to being a big leaguer. They can select his contract after his freshman year and he can start accumulating service time and be a, if they want to appoint him to double A. Now where this comes into play is in hockey, obviously juniors is a big thing. We would have to have MLB organizations buy out indie ball for guys that like say like, hey, which now NIL is a thing, so like college kids can get paid. But at the time it right. was like, maybe you're not, Maybe you're an international signing. Maybe you're, you know, not ready to play in, you know, you don't want to go to college. You don't want to do the school thing. You can go make dirt cheap money and you can play indie ball, which is now backed by these organizations and guys, ex-pros can fill into indie ball as well. And 
they would, <clears throat> sorry, they would select you out of your indie ball organization when they thought you were ready. So think about it as, and even you could keep a organizations in there as well, but think of it as like Julio Rodriguez and Wander Franco might not be able to go to college, but they could also play professionally in Domini- in the Dominican Republic at that point too, in this hypothetical, but they go get assigned to an indie ball team they go play, and now you have Julio and Wander Franco playing in an indie ball league now um, that's backed by an MLB organization. It's almost like the Arizona Fall League, too, is what I would do, right? So, like, the but Mariners, think, Rays, Cardinals, be- and Diamondbacks are one team in indie ball. I don't even think you need to do it with indie ball. You could just turn rookie ball into that. True, you could. And keep it as, like, the Arizona Fall League where it's, like, multiple teams right like like the expended the extended spring like yeah those rookie leagues you would just that would be your junior system yes right Mm -hmm. that's that's how you should do it and then you're exactly right as soon as you get to double a your service clock starts yep and now you're forcing teams to make decisions faster on these guys yeah and not just having a bunch of filler Mm mm-hmm this see, this is the problem though, because you and I are are so player heavy. You yeah, would never get organizations then, to agree to this. Yes, and yeah, I mean, obviously, unless it probably you had a salary been... cap. If you had a salary cap, you would, because there wouldn't be as much manipulation. Because yeah, right. Because if you had a salary cap, like NHL teams want to get those guys up there quick because they have a cap and they need cheap young talent on their roster in the NHL. True. Right. I, Whereas in the big leagues, it doesn't really matter. You can hold to to hold his service time. I'm not going to rush my 21 year old if I can have him up at 23 and then hold him until he's 29. Mm-hmm. Whereas th- those guys are more valuable valuable in the NHL because, and even in the NFL, but the NFL is different because there's no minor leagues. But like in the NHL, those guys are so valuable because you need young guys who aren't on big contracts to be able to contribute to your organization at the pro level and be pro ready. So you, you get those guys. That's why those guys sometimes come up younger. Now the curve for when guys are ready in the NHL, obviously I understand is they're a little bit later down the road. There aren't 19 year olds like Juan Soto in the NHL, but there are occasional, you know, but if, yeah, you're right. If in, in major league baseball, I'm, I'm going to wait as a, as I mean, we saw it with Chris Bryant, right? Like I remember that one, like it was yesterday, right? It was like Chris Bryant yeah. was so obviously big league ready, but the Cubs didn't want to lose him. A year earlier, so they waited till after the whatever it was back then, April twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Well, there would also be like the way the NHL does it is they have a restricted free agent system as well. So I don't know how many NBA years and NFL after your does clock well, starts. Too. Yeah, so like you become a restricted free agent after four, and then a unrestricted free agent after six. So replacing, you know, whereas a guy whose service time would start, like you obviously have the ability to match these restricted free agents. And it would, I mean, player, again, it's very pro player. And I guess you're right with the fact of salary caps being probably what allows that to happen because it would just drive up the cost of young talent and restricted free you would agency. Crush, would just, and, you, but, and restricted free agency, you're just going to crush small market teams in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, with no salary. The Mets, right? The Yankees, the Mets, the you know the big market teams, the Boston's of the world, L.A., Philly, they're going to go out there and 
you know, the next Bobby Witt Jr. hits restricted free agency, the Royals aren't matching. No, that's a good point. We'll have to, we'll Which, have to sit you know, down and, and build up a CBA with this. There's thing. a way to th- there's a way to this. There's a way to this. I just don't know if I'm one, a lawyer, and two, smart enough to do it. You know what I mean? And I just yeah. think you and I would be so player heavy, but I'm that that's more fun to me. I'm all for the player. I don't want I just would the the fear with that for me, I guess, is then you would turn into the NBA a little bit with the super teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you, cause then you, but really player development is still up. king. Player development is still for, king, and and maybe not with for, a res- maybe baseball you can't do a, with if there's no cap. I think no restricted free agency. Because, I think is probably because the then that kills player bet. development too. Because because now I just let those other teams yeah. be my player development because you wouldn't have to. You're you now are only bidding against two other teams possibly. Right. Let's say and Bobby no, Jr. gets to restricted free agency, and yes. I give him, I can lowball him, and know that the Royals still can't pay that. The Royals yeah. are not going to be able to match five years, a hundred mil, which isn't that much to us. That's not a huge. Yeah. Con- that's not eleven years, well, three hundred million. It's five at a hundred. And even the Royals aren't going to match it. I lose him. Even on top of that, it's less risk, right? Like think about the Trey Turner contract that will. Like the reason it became a problem in a lot of ways is he was turning into 30. Well, imagine if he was a re- restricted free agent at 26. So, like these analytically focused organizations that struggle to give out big contracts at 30, well, now you're cutting off two years of that and you're getting two more prime years. So, imagine what a really good major leaguer. You know, maybe not the Juan Sotos of the world, but somebody who's like really good and young would demand in a free, a restricted free agency when they can get that extra two years of really good production and not have to round into the late thirties with that contract. Think if Shohei was hitting, had hit restricted free agency two years or last year. Yeah. Those offer sheets would have been crazy and no one would like. The, the angels, I mean, the angels probably could have matched, but like, exactly. You wouldn't, you would get so many teams then if, if any, any time. So yeah, the, the small market teams would have to rely on player development, but then you, they'd be losing two years. Whereas the big clubs, right? Like if I develop a guy and I have them, if the Yankees bring up Volpe and Anthony Volpe is everything we had hoped he would be when he hits restrictive free agency, I'm going to be able to match that. Whereas the yeah. small market teams wouldn't be able. So restrictive free agency only really works, I think, in a cap world. And I don't yes. think I would hate a salary cap in baseball. That mm. hurts the players. You a would never bit. get players to agree to it. Correct. That's where it comes to the players because the players are are, are loving it. It's an interesting problem, and this is why the CBA. We takes basically have a salary cap as yeah. well with the luxury the tax, luxury which tax. some teams treat it. That's so it's a hard right. cap for some teams, but it is. It's. I it's mean, a soft if you cap go through it. Yeah, if you, it is a soft cap, and, and that's kind of where the balance becomes. But, I mean, that's the one thing I think in, in baseball, and I don't know if I can speak for every other sport because I don't follow it as, as frequently, but baseball is probably the one sport where there's definitely no correlation between spending and winning. I think football 100%, probably – that's what makes baseball fun. Um, no, uh, football, yeah. football there isn't – because to me, football is so one year to year and two, the injury, the injury chance. Yeah, like the the risk of injury is so much higher in football, and you could spend to the cap, 
and even over however they do that because they have dead money and all that other stuff in football that is so confusing. But, you know, again, I don't know football well, so I'm going to use the Eagles as an example because obviously that's who I, I know and I follow. But the Eagles on paper have a team that's just as good as last year. That went, you know, won 16 games, went to the Super Bowl and lost in the Super Bowl. If Jalen Hurts tears his ACL in week one, the Eagles are a three-win team. You know what I mean? If two, you know, if one or if you have two or three important players on defense get hurt in the NFL, your season's completely flipped. So in football, the yeah. correlation between spending and winning isn't quite drafting's most important in football, in my opinion. Yeah. You just have to be able to draft and getting a quarterback. Yeah. Like, I think NBA but, but probably there's pretty but good NBA spending, spending and in, spending and winning in the NBA is Yeah. And they they're and a NHL it doesn't either because it's no, they have a hard the NBA cap. is. They have a, mm, they have a salary luxury cap. tax. They have they. It's weird. It's it's not hard. It's like you can go over your salary cap with your players. Three players. It actually incentive. Yeah, it's it's three weird. Players. But it's it's a tax. It's a tax. It's not they a had, hard cap because the because the NBA has the tiered contract structure. Yeah, because they the have NBA the, like, is all super players. max and stuff, which is great. I, like I, yeah, I, I'm man. for it being for the players. That's because what created day, super like, teams, though. That's true. Well, yes, yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. and what incentivized tanking? So, but that CBA talk is brought to you by Routine Baseball. So we've recently partnered with Routine Baseball. So for all of your clothing needs, Routine Baseball offers a ton of options from shirts, hoodies shorts, sunglasses, and any baseball style you can imagine, go to routine.com slash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have and receive 10% off. That's right. 10% off your order today. Dan, how much does that fire you up? That routine baseball is giving 10% off to our listeners. Super excited. Our friends at Routine Baseball sent me a shipment to my house. I'm a little bit nervous because I'm obviously not home to receive it. I'm hoping it's still there. I'm glad no one that listens to this knows my address because they could go, if you don't mind, if you really were in the area and wanted to grab it so it's safe before I, I get home, there. I'd love that. I appreciate our friends at Routine sending me some stuff, and I'm super excited to get it and wear it. And um, Yeah. I just hope it's there when I get home. <laughs> yeah, it, we'll, we'll, we'll swing by. Um, we're gonna be we're, we'll be up in the area, so um, we're we're gonna go in and and we're gonna do a little debrief at the quarter mark here, right? So obviously we're about a little over a quarter way done with the full regular season. So we wanted to go back. We obviously had our preseason bets. We did our preseason previews. So we're going to run through some of these. We're going to see where Dan and I were right. We're going to see where Dan and I were wrong. And we're going to definitely be able to uh, to look back and, and find some some disagreements on some of our, our decisions that we made. So Dan, are you ready to look back and have some revisionist history of our, of our preseason bets? I like that. We're holding our, ourselves accountable here. We could have acted like I this agree. never happened. Cause I know there's some ugly ones. So I'm there excited that we're holding, yeah, we're holding ourselves accountable here. It's always fun too. That's what makes, that's why I do like long seasons of major league baseball, because you can get to these checkpoints and look back at what you said 
before the season at the first check mark and things like that. So yeah, I'm ready. All right. So we're going to start with the season win totals. I'm going to read off what Dan had. I'm going to give him an opportunity to talk about how he feels about them. And then we're going to read off what I had, and then I'll be able to talk about that. So Dan had Mariners over 86 and a half wins, Mets under 94 and a half wins and Cardinals under 88 and a half wins. Dan, how are we feeling about those three totals? Yeah, good job. I mean, Vegas is king for a reason. Um, the Mariners, I was really confused at 86 and a half. They look like a, an 83-win ball club, and I think that's what they're on pace to win right now is 83 games. I don't under – again, it, the Mariners are another one. Of, there's a handful of teams right now where you look up and down the roster and then you look at their performance on the field, and it's really confusing to figure out, and the Mariners are another one of those. Um, so don't feel great about it, but that's, they're also a team that have gotten really hot in the summer months, the last two years. And that's how they've gotten the 90 wins. So I would say I'm still in play for that. The other two I'm feeling great about, I mean, the Mets, yeah. they've started to play a lot better baseball, but they do not look like a 95 win team. I didn't think they looked like a 95 win team at the time we recorded that, that episode. Uh, I look great there. And the Cardinals, who I think you and I were both all over, I, the Cardinals had a stretch there where they started to look like themselves again. They had won like eight to 10 or whatever. They've since slid again. They're six games under 500. The pitching just isn't good. And even when they get hot, like I don't think they have consistent enough pitching to keep them afloat, especially how it looks right now with the issues that Flaherty's had, some of the injury issues, Miles Mikolas, Michaelis, I can never say his name right, continues to just be eh. And so I feel really I'm I feel like two out of three here. I'm I'm looking pretty good on the win totals. Yeah. No, I definitely think so. I thought the same thing. And so for my three win totals, we had Minnesota over 84 and a half, the Los Angeles Dodgers under 96 and a half, and the Diamondbacks over 74 and a half. I'm gonna go with the no-brainer there. Diamondback picks were pretty good. That's looking pretty oh, good right like a, now. It's looking like a um, slam dunk. That's, yeah, they're they're now like sitting at forty five wins away. August. Yeah, so that that one's coming out. That's going to be pretty good. Um, the other two, I'm going to be sweating it. I think Minnesota yeah. is still the favorite to win the division, but they very well could win with eighty four wins, eighty three wins. They're sitting at twenty six and twenty four right now. Um, so that's on pace for. Pretty darn close to 84 and a half wins if they continue at this pace. I think it would it's like push right over. on the nose. <laughs> yeah. And this the other one's kind of the same thing. The Los Angeles Dodgers under 96 and a half. They just came off a pretty big series win against the Braves where they were looking good, but they've had their downs and moments where I felt like that was going to look really smart at the end of the year. And then they have weeks like this where I start to wonder and see if. I think they're going to push over 96 and a half. So I think that one's going to come down to the wire. I think both of those are going to come down to the wire. Um, but I definitely feel like all three, one's a slam dunk. The other two are most definitely in, still in play. So World yeah. Series champ here. Dan's World Series champs he had. We picked three here. The Dodgers at plus 800. The Mariners at plus 2,000. And here's the kicker in it all, the Rays at plus 2,000. Look, we were looking for value when we did this. I, I mean, that Rays pick, I loved the Rays before the season. I still love the Rays, obviously, 22 games over. We talked, whether it was a 
couple, I think it was two weeks ago or last week we talked and you made a good point that going from, you know, the starting gates and staying in pole position the entire way in baseball is really, really hard. So, and, and pitching injuries for the Rays have become a concern. And really since they started, when they start the year, they started the year like 19 and three or 22 and three, I think. And, and so yeah, they're only one crazy. game over since then. Um, but when you build yourself a lead, you can do stuff like that. And if they can get healthy yep. and Glasnow's, I believe, pitching on Saturday, which is really exciting mm-hmm. for them. They need some of these guys to come back, especially since you've pretty much lost. Springs is done for the year, and then Rasmussen, we don't know. So I feel, I mean, that at plus 2,000, you'd be thrilled to have that in your pocket. It's definitely in play. The Dodgers are without a doubt in play. They look like the best team yep. in that division. Um, they're obviously going to have competition in the NL. The Mariners, again, like the Mariners look like a fringe playoff team at best right now. So that one's not looking good. But for those keeping count, we, I mean, I've, you've said six of my picks and four of them look pretty good. Yeah, once we get into the the individual players, yeah, it gets a little hairy. So that's um, why I was patting my... myself on the back now. See, Trev, that's how you. That's I'm just being good at my job here. Not uh, I'm taking a yeah. page out of your book right now. I'm complimenting myself. A little pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> so for my three picks, I had the Blue Jays at plus twelve hundred, the Braves at plus eight hundred, and the Brewers at plus four thousand. Again, I mean, I look at those three picks. I think the Blue Jays, if they can add some bullpen help, have a legitimate shot at winning a World Series and that value at plus 1,200. I think the Braves right now, as it sits, are the favorite across the MLB, not only in the NL to win the World Series odds-wise. So that's pretty good at getting those odds at the same that the Dodgers had and the Astros were above them. And really the Brewers pick, you got to get that rotation healthy. Corbin Burns has got to get it figured out. But no matter what you say about that pick, it was plus 4,000. So that was a long stretch odds. You're talking about really no risk there in terms of the odds you're laying there um, at double the odds that the the Rays had. So it was kind of just a huge value play and the pitching staff could still make a run at it. Can we do a quick Brewers check-in real quick? Can you tell me who started the game for the Brewers tonight? No, I can't. So someone tell me who's the starting pitcher for the Brewers tonight. I think I know, but I want I want stats and info. Producer Phoebe is going to grab this for me because I, I I if it's who I think it is, we're just going to see where the Brewers are at. And like you want to talk about, like we need some help. We need some help because that's that's concerning. I believe here. Let's see if I can find it. Let's see if we can find it faster. I might have it open. This is really good podcasting. I'm sorry, I did this to us. Yeah, you did. Going too deep down. I, I know, but and we're too deep now to turn around. We've gone way too far down the road, and I'm a stubborn driver, so I'm going to keep us exact. Well, let me talk time. about let me talk about the Brewers for a second. Then they're sitting at five games over 500, 27 and twenty two. A lot of injuries to the pitching staff. I'm worried about the run differential. They have a negative run differential, but I do think that if the pitching staff gets going, that they can definitely get. Hot well, that's my con- that's my concern. Because here you go. Sorry, I got it real quick. 32-year-old Julio Tehran is starting a game for the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. Look. I see a zero. (laughs) No doubt. Or I see a one. I'm sorry. One. Right. He's pitching against a a not a great offense in the Giants. But my point being is like, yeah, we need the Brewers to get healthy. I'm not down on the Brewers. That's kind of not their fault. You need Corbin Burns to pitch like a Cy Young. You need those other guys to be healthy. I mean, when you looked at that, that rotation before the year when we talked in the previous, we were both high on this team because we really liked the rotation. Well, 
to allow some of the young bats to kind of get their get settled in big league baseball, they were going to need some help from the pitching staff that offense. And Yelich has been good. And luckily that division yeah, has been great. But like I can't mm-hmm. if if we're running Julio Tehran out there every fifth day for any stretch of time, I'm a little concerned. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. So we'll look at the the MVPs across the league. These actually I think look pretty good. Dan picked in the American League. It, it probably isn't happening because of the two guys at the top right now, but he has Jordan Alvarez at plus 1,200. In the National League, he picked Austin Riley at plus 1,600. He had two home runs today. He seems to be swinging the bat a little bit better. Um, so he's a hot June away from putting his his name right at the top of that list as well. So, Dan, how are you feeling about those two picks? I still feel pretty good about – I still feel better. I feel better about Jordan. I feel pretty good about both. I mean, Jordan, I mean, when you look at what Jordan Alvarez has done, I mean, like you said, there's guys whose names you're hearing all the time, but Jordan Alvarez, you know, in 155 at bats is one dotting. He's hitting 297 with a 403 on base, 600 slugging percentage, which means he's really good. He's in like, if you just want to do the lazy thing and look at his baseball savant page and just look at his, is uh, percent percentiles, it's all red. I mean, he is continuing to do what he does. He hits the ball just about harder than everybody in the league. He gets on base just about as good as everybody on the league. He finds barrel just about better than everyone. He walks just about better. You know, he's ridiculous. He's a freak. Now, you know, there's guys in the AL that are doing the same things as him, so it's going to be tough, but we still have a long way to go, so he could be in it. Austin Riley's kind of – he dug himself a little bit of a hole. Um but again, you get hot, and, and the same reason why Sunday night you said that Juan Soto could be an MVP finalist. If Austin Riley puts this Braves lineup on the back and does what we know he can do, we know Acuna is going to be on base for him to drive him in, he could get himself right back in the conversation, I think. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And for my two, and I'll kind of talk about how I feel about yours as I go through my two and and my reasons for that. Um, as Juan Soto crosses into the 900 OPS and is down – down start to the season i i had to double check that that's what i was looking i up. mean we said it when yeah. we when we a month ago it was i think it was in in like the middle of april you and i were talking about the juan soto and we were talking well when tatis was coming back and we both said we're two weeks stretch away from juan soto being yeah. back. and i think we're there yeah and he's he's back um <laughs> so for my back. two picks Again, we're going to have to rely on a little bit of a hot stretch here in the AL. I have MV Seager. Um, that's my guy, Corey Seager, at plus 2,000. And then in the National League, I have Fernando Tatis Jr. What's going on in the AL? Obviously, you have Aaron Judge. You have Shohei Otani at the top of the league. It's going to be very hard for anybody in the American League to pass those, barring something unforeseen happening or something unfortunate happening. I still trust my guy, Corey Seager. He's sitting right now at hitting, I believe, 350, uh, you know, slugging 600. He's got hits without the shift. Just going to be hard to pass those two dudes. And Fernando Tatis Jr., again, when he keeps getting his legs and his body back under him and, and playing at the big league level, he sneakily has eight home runs already on. I'm pretty sure he's second on the Padres behind Juan Soto, which is crazy to think about considering he missed the first 20 games of the season. He is as dynamic as anybody across the league. 
But again, with Ronald Acuna Jr., with what he's doing, unless something unforeseen happens, he's legit going to push 40, 50 steals. And we already know what he's able to do in the power department. It's going to be very hard for anybody to pass Ronald Acuna Jr. But a hot Fernando Tatis very well could push him. And he's definitely dynamic enough to. Well, and I think the thing that that's hurting both your guys is just the health, right? And Tatis has obviously yeah. played since he's come back, but like you can tell, he's not himself. And for him to get yeah. there, will he have enough time to chase his guys? And then Seager's just got to be on the field. I mean, Seager missed that stretch of time at the beginning of the year. He's sitting only at I, yeah sixty six at bats on the year, so yeah. I, he he's definitely good enough. He's definitely producing. Again, the MV, the AL MVP race is going to be – I mean, to, for anyone to catch those two guys is going to be so hard, and you better be on the field to do it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. No doubt about that. And Tatis wins the MVP and, and, and looks good in a uniform, though, so I, I can at least hang my hat on oh, that. Oh, without a doubt. He does have some, yeah. some style. Um, so Cy Youngs, this is where it gets a little, little tricky here. For Cy Youngs, Dan in the American League, it looked good a month ago. Doesn't look as good now. Luis Castillo at plus 1,536. In the NL, Julio Arias at plus 1,716. And Max Freed at plus 10. Dude, you're cursed I am, in the NL. I, like, that is really bad. I you mean, put a hex it, on both tough. of them. I did put a hex on both of them, and I feel terrible because I love both of them, and that's why I picked them. But I, look, I, those guys are obviously hurt. They're banged up. Uh, Julio, we talked about his struggles, why he's not been as good. I, I think I'm, I'm going to stay firm. I think it's a pitch usage thing. I think he needs to work his way through that. Now he finds himself on the AL, on the IL, sorry, with a hamstring injury. And Max Fried just isn't healthy. Max Fried hasn't been healthy, and now we're talking months. He's going to be out. It doesn't sound good. So he's not going to accumulate the innings to do it. And look, Luis Castillo started out hot. I mean, he still has good numbers. He's pitching to a sub three still in 57 innings. He's punched out 66 in those 57 innings. So he's got good numbers. He just, he had a, he had a two, three start stretch there where uh, he got hit a little bit and that's going to happen. It's just, you know, what does he do consistently? And if he can start putting it back together, but I mean, he's definitely the ace of that staff. I, I would, could anyone tell that I was high on the Mariners? <laughs> I was yeah. really high on that team before the year. They've kind of disappointed me a little. Talk about a hex. Like, I think I put a jinx on the Mariners. I'll give you this, though. Uh, Luis Castillo currently has the fourth best odds to win the AL Cy Young, which is um, he's in it. impressive. He's so in it. He's definitely in it. Um, Garrett Cole currently the leader, followed by Shane McClanahan, and then – our good friend Shohei Otani, who could very well win the Cy Young and the MVP this year if he if he keeps it up at this rate. So for my two picks, neither of them are looking too good to win a Cy Young this year. Um, I think they're both having okay to good seasons, not the great season that's required. Is Christian Javier at plus two thousand and Zach Wheeler at plus twelve hundred. Like I said, both are having good, not great. Javier's fastball's off a little bit. He's not getting the swing and miss he had. Wheeler's done a very good job of limiting hard contact, but he hasn't been exactly the dominant ace that we've seen over the past couple years. Um, he has currently, I'm gonna do some math in my head. 
the six best odds to win in the NL behind a, a couple pretty good guys and, and some guys that he could pass. And credit to you, Julio Arias still has some pretty good odds to win the Cy Young, but Spencer Strider and Zach Gallen are leading the pack by a significant amount right now. They're so, kind of running. Um, they're running away with it. Yeah, Mitch Keller is pushing guys right, right now. now. He is, but I don't know if Mitch Keller has the name value and – I don't know if he'll have yeah. the staying power, especially as we get deeper into the summer, like which teams are going to be playing more important games right now. It looks like the Diamondbacks are going to be solidified in playoff position. So Gallon's going to be pitching in some high leverage games. Everyone knows I don't think the Pirates have the staying power to do so. And unfortunately, when it comes to awards like this voted on by you know a lot of national media members, that's what people look at. And so I don't know. It's interesting because both your picks, I think, Wheeler and Javier have kind of been bitten a little bit by some bad luck. Like they don't. Yeah. There's both something off. Javier's definitely haven't had a better start to the year. He's still striking out over one per per inning and his whips under one Wheeler. It's interesting. He hasn't gotten hit hard at all. Mm -hmm. He's not getting, he's getting good swings and misses. He just seems to have not found his footing yet. I don't really know why. It's an interesting thing. He could definitely really get hot. He's and and you you feel like it's it's going to happen. There's been several starts this year where it's like, all right, he's back to being the Cy Young candidate that you see, and then next outing it's it's weird. He he kind of gets clipped a little bit. And for him, it's been like nine really impressive outs. One fourth inning that's like a four run inning or a three run inning, yeah. and then three more really good innings. So it's it's interesting for sure. Yeah. So then now we're rounding into rookie of the year where this gets a little hairy for both of us, no doubt about it. Uh, So we have the American League for Dan Grayson Rodriguez at plus 1100. And then in the National League, we have Kode Senga at plus 950. How are you feeling about those and um, what might have went wrong? Yeah, I I swung and missed on both of these. Um, I I kind of... I, I, I think Senga's still got a shot. Senga's got maybe a, well. There's a guy in Arizona who would have some say to you know who. Oh, and like James a, Altman. A yeah, like there's a couple James guys sprinkled right. at the top. There. Brett Senga, Beatty. Senga has a Senga has a chance, but he was at plus nine fifty, and I think that's kind of what I was looking at. I was chasing some juice there. Um, same with Grayson yeah. Rodriguez, and I really like Grayson Rodriguez. I just don't think Grayson Rodriguez was quite ready, which is a little disappointing because I really thought this was kind of the year where he was going to be. Uh, you know, he's in through 42 innings, he's punching out guys, which is exciting to see um, his fastball velocity is there. He's getting the K's. He's just not getting anything else. Um, and, and the secondary offerings definitely need to get better. He needs to really decide, you know, is it going to be the sliders his main, his main focal point? Is it going to be the change up, you know, and he's slider cutter curveball, which is kind of a weird mix right now, especially at the big league level. You don't see a lot of guys with all three, so he's just got some ironing out to do, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't love either one of these picks right now. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you could take the worst pick out of all of these that we had, and and that's my National League Rookie of the Year, and it's Hayden Wesnecki. Um, he's now currently in AAA. Um, my whole thought process with that was to take. We always see these names that kind of come out of nowhere. I picked completely wrong i should have picked james altman um which our good friend colin palouse told us he rakes yeah i didn't i guess i didn't believe him enough um i think the guy to keep an eye on for the rest of the year is brett Beatty. um i think he is who i would put money on right now winning the winning the, the rookie of the year 
But my AL pick is the runaway favorite at this point in time. It's Masataka Yoshida. He is currently the odds-on favorite to finish the year. Um, obviously he's proven that the talent is legit. He's had a great start to his career with the, with the Boston Red Sox. And he seems like he's going to fit in the league today. I mean, he's currently hitting 299, six home runs, three stolen bases, 373 OBP, 482 slug, 855 OPS and a 129 OPS plus. And the batted ball profile seems to say that's going to be legit. So I'm pretty happy about that pick to say the least. So Dan, let's round into some, some of our prop bets here. Uh, so you had, a couple here, so we'll start with the the home runs. We got Kyle Tucker over thirty two and a half home runs, Jose Ramirez over twenty nine and a half, Christian Yelich. This was a good one over sixteen and a half, Hunter Renfro under twenty nine and a half. I know you're probably clanking away over there trying to figure out which ones where guys are sitting right now. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna stall and give you some time to pull those up. I'm good. But so how need, are we feeling need- about those? I mean, Christian Yelich was really good. I just, you know, I kind of felt this breakout coming for Yelich. It had been injuries, and people, because he plays in Milwaukee and because it had been a handful of years since we saw peak Christian Yelich, didn't really realize that it was an injury issue, and I think that's what I said when we made these picks. And and I need 10 home runs from him. He's got seven already. We're at the, you know, and it's Memorial Day. I think, barring any injuries, 10 home runs is a legit possibility. Um, Jose Ramirez with six, I'm not worried at all, believe it or not. Jose Ramirez never hits in the first two months of the season. And then again, just like his team, it seems like Cleveland's always like, oh, wow, they're really not as good as I thought they were. And then they'll win 17 in a row at some point. And it's usually because Jose Ramirez is homered in every single one of those games, which makes it extremely impressive. And, and I mean, Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker has been a little bit disappointing for me. You know, when Altuve started the year on the um, IL with the broken thumb that suffered in the world baseball classic i thought well this is a great opportunity for tucker to kind of pair up with alvarez and be kind of be the robin to his batman like altuve typically is and i thought that he would he hasn't done that i mean he still had a pretty good he has I, he's still a very he's say, still he a very has, good baseball player but he hasn't hit home runs the, the way you, numbers, you wanted correct, to, the yes. way i thought yeah the way i thought he would don't get me wrong he's still a very good baseball player he's off to his good year he's still opsing over 800 i thought we were going to see more power out of him and look, Hunter, Hunter Renfro hits the long ball. That's all I'll say on that. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. So we'll go into wrong. my home run prop bets. Um, I had Corey Seager at over 25 and a half and Spencer Torkelson at over one or over 16 and a half. Spencer Torkelson's currently sitting at four. I still like that number. He's obviously going to have to get hot for a stretch here. But the thing I'll say about Spencer Torkelson is right now he's sitting at over the last 15 games, he's hitting 281. So the hits are starting to fall for him as he continues to gain confidence. I think those homers are going to follow up after and then Corey Seager obviously he was my MVP pick so in the AL you're not winning the MVP without hitting 25 pumps right so I definitely still think that's in play slugging currently uh, 591 uh, with a 177 OPS plus but he only has three home runs so far in I don't know how many games right He's played 18 games, so definitely on pace to push 25. No doubt about that. He's just got to stay healthy. Uh, So for your strikeout prop bets, we have 
Zach Wheeler over one one eighty point five, and then Luis Castillo over one eighty three point five. How are we feeling about those? Great. I mean, both guys who you would expect to throw two hundred plus innings this year, both guys to at least throw one hundred and eighty five innings, and they're both striking out more than a guy per inning. So. For me, it's just kind of an inning trade. If they stay on this rate, as long as they continue to punch out about a guy in inning, and they're both over, like I said, they're both going to get there. So uh, that one I feel really good about. Yeah, no, those are those are pretty solid ones there. Um, and then for my strikeout prop bets, I have, and I spent this whole episode torching Hunter Green. I remember you were defending him. Um, currently, and he's I got, sitting no, at no, that a, was our central. That was our NL central. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. it must have been that week then. Um, but he's <laughs> sitting at a four point six eight ERA, which you might think, wow, stupid pick. Well, he's got sixty nine strikeouts in fifty innings. So as long as he can stay healthy, if he can post you a hundred thirty five innings, he's giving you a hundred. He's what, getting what there. was the number? Yep. Hundred. He's getting one hundred ninety Ks. If he gives a yeah. yeah, if he gets if he gets a hundred fifty innings, I think he gets a hundred ninety. So hundred fifty yep. might be a stretch for a young guy. And then I have Sandy Alcantara under. A large number. One, I'm trying to pull up his stats right now. One ninety nine and a half, I believe. One ninety nine and a half. I'll tell you how I feel about that when I get his baseball reference page pulled up. He's, He's got, got fifty seven and sixty three. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm comfy living there as long as he doesn't go out and throw up two hundred innings again. That's the only thing that I need to to happen to make sure that that doesn't happen. But he is a workhorse. But I think he's going to end this year with under that number. So the last one we have here is a couple ERAs here. I think both of ours are trending in opposite directions. <laughs> we have oh, yeah. Dylan Cease for you at under three point four three. How are we feeling about that after the stretch he's had recently? Not good, not good at all. I got nothing else to say. I don't. I don't know what's happened. To be honest with you, I mean, he he, he was he as a as of you know April twenty second, so a month ago, he was sitting at a two seven three ERA, right? He has yep. a five oh eight ERA in May in five games. He's gotten crushed. I mean, he's given up twenty eight hits in twenty eight and a third. He's walked ten guys in those twenty eight and a third innings. He's given up four homers. He just hasn't been the same guy. He's only struck out 23 and 28, whereas in April, I mean, you're talking about a guy who had 27 strikeouts and 24 innings, and, you know, he's just gotten hit around. And, you know, that's it's kind of a microcosm of the White Sox season. I thought the White Sox were going to be much better than they are. They had a really, really, really bad April. He's had a bad May, which has kind of not helped them get out of, you know, where they were after April. Yeah. So my one here is Chris Sale under 3.48, which Chris Sale's sitting currently at a 5.01 ERA, but he has a 3.76 expected ERA, a lot of red on his baseball savant page. I trust the fact that he's going to turn it around. The question is how much can he get below that 3.48 number? I don't know. That's going to be a stretch because obviously he didn't start out on the right foot, but this is the Chris Sale that we know. He looks he was throwing 99 against the Phillies a couple weeks ago. He's been sitting in the upper nines for a couple outings with percentages, K percentages, walk percentages. Everything is up to par of what you expect when you say, see Chris Sale. So if you told me that he pitched to a two five the rest of the way and and pushed for that low three number. I mean, you're talking about 
a guy who on his career has a 3.09 ERA that he's going to walk his way into into Cooperstown with, assuming he can give a couple good, more good years. So I definitely feel comfortable with him finishing the year out strong. I don't know if the, the um, bad start is going to hurt that. So we're going to finish it out here, Dan. I want to know where you would lay the wood on the divisions as they sit today. We don't need to talk about odds, but obviously kind of walk us through and maybe fill in a little bit on what we had said at the beginning of the year as well. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's just to me, it's been such a, a year where there's been so much parody. I don't know what the word is like. We just were talking about all those pitchers and we were going through the numbers. And one of the biggest things that that stood out to me is like, we named a lot of really good pitchers and a lot of their ERAs didn't match their reputation. And I think just the way pitching has been, which I've mentioned a couple of times tonight, like it's kind of changed the standings and the way things go. I, I think we were really high on the AL East and we were really high on the Rays. I think they're probably going to win that division, um, but anyone could kind of win it. I think the Orioles are better than we expected. The Central, I think we were right on with Minnesota. I think they still win that division. Watch out for the Guardians. I know they're seven games under, but they're only four and a half back. It's a team to watch there. The AL West, I have no idea. I'll let you took cover that one because we talked about the Rangers and we liked the roster. We just sure they didn't have, we weren't sure they had enough. They've gotten off to a really good start. I mean, that's a team that's 13 games over 500. They have a three game lead on an Astros team that have stumbled out of the gate and the Mariners aren't playing the type of baseball we thought they would. Braves are going to run away with the NL East. I know that if you were betting that the odds wouldn't be great, but I don't think the Mets, the Phillies, the Marlins, the Nationals have anything that can even come close to competing with the Braves. I just think that's a fact of the matter. The NL Central, if you were talking value strictly, I would never advise you to do this. But if you were just looking for something that's going to pay out really big, bet the Cardinals. They're five and a half games back in that division. They could still turn it around just because, again, if the Brewers don't get healthy on the mound, I don't think the Cubs and Pirates have the staying power. And as is, the the NL West, if you want again, if you want value, throw some money on the Diamondbacks. Maybe they can chase down the Dodgers. Oh, you mean the Padres? Don't. I would throw money on the Diamondbacks because I think they might be able to chase down the Dodgers. I would throw money on the Padres. The Padres? You could too. I don't I don't I think the Padres, like if you look at it just where things stand now, the reason I wouldn't is I the Padres are seven and a half games back of the Dodgers. I can't imagine the Dodgers blowing a seven and a half game lead. Yeah, definitely. Diamondbacks are a game and a half back, so they're like in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think the big thing that when I looked through the the season previews that we had and and kind of talked through it, we were we were kind of on most of this, you know, before the year. We were down on the Cardinals, high on yeah. higher on the Twins, higher on the Brewers. Obviously, nobody saw the Pirates coming. No need to to act like that. Higher on the Rangers, giving the Angels a lot more credit. We were probably higher than the Mariners across the board. Um, we were down on the guardians. Um, that was definitely one thing that we had spoken about Braves, the favorite in the East. We definitely hammered that home. We might've been a little bit higher on the Phillies compared to the Mets. And obviously that's kind of come to fruition. And then out West, we were definitely high on the diamondbacks thought the Padres were going to win. I think I would say that I can think I can speak for you. So definitely if you, uh, 
for our for our listeners out there that appreciate good educated baseball content, we at least look like we did something right when you look at it now. Um, but I think in terms of who I think the the pole position, obviously I think the Rays are going to run away with this. I don't see the Yankees making up seven games, uh, even though I think they're going to push yeah. them. And I don't think the Orioles are going to stay at the pace that they're the on Orioles right now. Just can't I think they're a very enough. good team. Yeah, they're a very good team, but they need to add something really special to get there. Uh, AL Central's wide open. You're right about the Guardians, seven games under 500, but only four and a half back. I like the Twins too much, but it's the same old Twins every year. They, I like their roster. I've liked their roster since what feels like 2016, and then they turn around and they just don't win as much they as you think they should with the talent. Yep, and and being in the the AL Central, definitely they should be taking advantage of that more. Houston, obviously, I think is going to push the Rangers until the last day of the year, but I think the Rangers are legit, and I also think the Angels are legit too. What? Wouldn't it be the most Angels thing to have a Mike Trout and Shohei Otani's last year team be out of the wild card because 17 teams from the AL East get in because none of them can lose? So that would be the most Angels thing to happen there. Ever. To to be like 10 games over 500 but miss the wild card? Uh, it would be – it's the graphic that you always see on Twitter that like became a meme where it's like Trout and Otani combined to go six for six with four homers and the Angels lose yeah. 13 to eight. Like that's just – it's how it goes for the Angels. I don't understand why. It feels almost like it, there's no way to explain it. Also, if I can pat us on the back real quick, we, what's funny is remember on that – I remember on that AL Central episode, we talked ourselves into like kind of – understanding what the Tigers yeah. were doing and they're in second yeah. place. <laughs> I remember. And and it seems like Riley Green's been unreal in, in the month of May and, and Spencer Torkelson, obviously we've already talked about, he's hitting 281 in his last 15. So um, some good signs with that team. And Alex Lang is really good bullpen arm. Really, oh really good. Gosh. And Javi Baez is apparently good again, which is awesome because the MLB yeah. needs more Javi Baez anyway. And then going into the NL, you know, obviously we were high on Atlanta. Like I said, we might have missed on the Phillies being better than the Mets, but they're still close. Yeah. It's only a two-game difference from from them. Um, Milwaukee obviously is the team to beat in the Central. Watch out for the Cardinals. You're right. As much as we hate them, they have the lineup that could take over. And then the West is a lot of fun. I still think the Padres' talent is going to put them in a position to compete for a World Series. I just don't know if they have enough to win the West. Um, right. the, the Dodgers are obviously talented, but they don't have the staying power um, – or sorry, the Padres might not have the ability to run them down uh, would probably be the best way to say it. So they got to get figured out. But Dan, any closing thoughts on the divisions before we get out of here? No, I just want to say I'm happy to be back. I feel like you were um, you did a great job hosting. I know I was giving you a hard time at the start of the uh, episode here, but you were you were you did a great job tonight. Did you kill Sorry, that bug? If you killed kill whatever you just either. swatted at, then you really had a good night. Did you get yeah. it? Yeah, kind of looks like did. a cat there. That a boy. Yeah, you had a good night. For for the YouTube listeners, when you run back and you want to see me looking like a cat, there's a little lag. So that's why I wasn't as quick as Dan saw me because, you know, Wi-Fi is a little bad. You What's know, funny, Phoebe, that. is you oh. see this? You see this, Phoebe? What just happened? I complimented him. I alley-ooped him for a chance to compliment me back. And instead, he compliments himself. 
That just happened for everyone who thinks I'm crazy. Uh, that just everybody just heard that happen. That was an alley oop for you to just you know throw me a compliment back. Ah, we were happy to have you back. You you were great tonight too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, about about that. I was I was focused on the I was focused on the bug. Um. Yeah. No, we're happy to have you back too. You brought a ton of ton of controversial content to to kick off the show, like with your replay takes. So I was just focused on the bug. I forgot you were even talking about that. Whatever. Uh, of course, of course. Well, until next time. Hold up, I gotta find the whole the whole rundown thing. I'm all lost on our on our rundown. Great news! Major League Baseball is back. The college baseball season continues to electrify, and with the help of our friends over at SeatGeek, we can get you out to whatever game you want to see. All you need to do is head over to SeatGeek, find your game you want to go to, and enter promo code Backside Ground Ball to get $20 off your first purchase. Maybe you want to go see some NBA or NHL playoffs. I don't know. Maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country. No matter what event you're looking to go to, our friends at SeatGeek can hook you up with the best deals. Great seats at an affordable price. You can't beat it. Make sure to enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL for $20 off. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL.